This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations at Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello, I'm Oliver Condit, the editor of BBC Music Magazine, and welcome to the BBC Music Podcast. You can buy a copy of the magazine at your local newsagents or download our app to your iPad, Kindle Fire or Android tablet. And for the latest music news and more, head to our website at classical-music.com. This week, we've brought together members of the BBC Music team for First Listen, a monthly slot where members of the magazine editorial team chat about and rate an important new release. With me in the BBC Music studio today are Jeremy Pound, the deputy editor, and Rebecca Franks, our reviews editor. Hello. Hello. This month, we've been listening to a recording on the OUR Recordings label of Feroese and Danish concertos for recorder and orchestra by Thomas Koppel, Pella Gudmundsen Holmgren and Sunleif Rasmussen, performed by recorder player Michaela Petri and the Alborg Symphony Orchestra under their conductor Henrik Wagen Christensen. So is this a Danish delight or a Nordic no-no? Let's listen to the opening of Thomas Koppel's Moonchild's Dream.
so that was an extract from the opening of Thomas Coppel's Moonchild's Dream. Rebecca, um, does this CD hold together for you? Three very different works. The first one very film-like in its uh, in its style. The other two not quite so. No, it's a it's sort of something of a conundrum, really. This CD because I, I suppose the uniting factor is exactly what you said in the title: Danish and Faroese recorded concertos. Um, but as you say, they're very different stylistically. And while I think I would be happy to hear any three of these concertos in concert as, as as a program itself not that it didn't hang together but it it was slightly strange i thought mm, yes i mean anybody thought of thinking that the the rest of the concertos are going to be exactly the same as the thomas Coppel are in for a quite a uh, quite a surprise jeremy with the um uh, goodmanson holmgren exactly um well, as you say, the, the couple which we heard are just a little bit there, kind of with the best will in the world in its most ambient moments. It reminds me a little bit of us kind of going into a health spa where they take themselves a little bit too seriously. All you need is a couple of scented candles and a bathrobe and you've kind of got the whole picture made up. I think we had the panpipe extra. Oh, we had a kind of, yeah, kind of a little bit of panpipe, yeah. And then you move on to the Holmgren, which is is actually quite it's quite tough. It's, it's not easy listening by any any means. And then there's a sort of balance between the two with the Rasmussen, which is actually, I think the, the Rasmussen, as we'll hear later on, is the, the strongest work on the disc. I think the, the, the unifying factor, as you said earlier, Rebecca, is Michaela Petri, and I think it hats off to her for, um, for you know, I think she did premiere um, all three of these concertos, and actually, she is such a virtu- uh, sort of versatile musician that really only she could have perform these works. I mean, the recorder is usually associated with the Baroque concerto, quite an instrument that's an instrument that's quite sort of background, not really to the fore. She's definitely one of these musicians who's completely opened up the repertoire for for the recorder through commissioning and through premiering these works. Um, In this same series, she's done English recorder concertos and Chinese recorder concertos. And, you know, I mean, she's made many, many recordings, all sorts of Baroque repertoires and contemporary repertoire. And for an instrument that doesn't have that body of, of concertos sort of through, you know, the classical romantic era, she's really made it a very versatile instrument. Yes, this is her own record label that she set up with guitarist Lars Hannibal, OUR Recordings. You know, it's a, it's a great vehicle to show off the uh, versatility of the, of, of the recorder. Um, which, and Jeremy, do you think the recorder is, is, is an instrument that really works as a concerto instrument? Um, it depends on it depends on how it's how it's written for, doesn't it? Um, again, we have three different, very different examples here. Within the central of the three concertos, um, the composer himself actually admits that it's almost not really a concerto. The the recorder is weaved very much into the fabric of the whole work. Um, I mean, there's plenty of room for virtuosity there. And actually, the strongest part of the Koppel work, the opening work on the disc, is the cadenza, where the, actual, the recorder is actually allowed to kind of do its own thing. And, and it sort of very much becomes that vulnerable voice, doesn't it, of the, of the moon child? Because the, the, the piece was written for a, a sort of long music video, and it does have that filmic quality and slightly mm. sort of pro- programmatic sort of quality to we sh- it. We should hear another extract, actually, from Moonchild's uh, Dream. I think we're going to hear this, uh, an extract from the third movement. Thank you. 
So that was an extract from the third movement of Thomas Koppel's Moonchild's Dream. Jeremy, this is um, quite uh, sort of film soundtrack style, quite Harry Potter with the Celestes, quite um, accessible, very sort of um, popular popular style. Yes, and there is a there is actually, to be fair to the composer, there is a fairy tale element to the piece itself. It's what is it it's about is a, a girl living in the poorest part of Copenhagen and it's her dreams of escaping her sort of existence as it is. So she kind of goes off into this fantasy world. And kind of almost touches of the little mermaid if you like. Um, and then at the end she's brought back to reality. So it starts with this kind of quite kind of ominous beginning. Then you have this sort of fairy tale like music in the middle and then you go back to the sort of harshness of reality. Yes, and of course, The Little Mermaid parked in the harbour of Copenhagen, which is where this story is set, in fact. So, um, and I think he wrote her hands, Christian Anne's opera, didn't he, as well, I think? Yes, and well, uh, so. that's kind of all part of that world. Mm. I think we should move on to the Pelle Gudmundsen Holmgren. Uh, have a listen to that, very much in stark contrast to the couple. So that was an extract from Pella Gudmundsen Holmgren's Chacun Sans Sans, a sort of very uh, cheeky play on words. Rebecca, tell us a little bit about this concerto. So this is a very recent concerto written just a year ago. And as you say, it's uh, a sort of play on words in the title, a Chacun Sans Sans rather than a Chacun Sans Goût. So instead of to each his own taste, we have to each their own sound here. And uh, the composer kind of describes how you get these different sound groups, um, each sort of very much doing their own thing throughout the piece. Uh, I actually quite enjoyed this. There's something quite bracing and robust about the music and the, the way it was constructed and just kind of when you tune into listening to the, the sort of growling, the grunting sounds, the glissandos and the different sort of timbres of the instruments, I, I actually found that quite engaging. Not a, a sort of immediately, obviously enjoyable piece, but actually once you start listening, I, I I don't know, I find it quite... A very inventive use of the yeah, recorder as well. Yeah, very inventive, actually. You know, not, not pandering to the sort of sweetness of the recorder sound, but very much using the, the breathiness and the growling that one can get out of this And instrument. also, I think there is a... You know, it's not laugh-out-loud funny music, but it's, it, there's a sort of humour to it. You know, it's not the recorder that gets the cadenza, it's the violin that gets the cadenza. So the recorder's very much not in the... sort of in the limelight. So, yeah, I like this piece a lot, actually. I have to say that if there is humour in it, I sat po-faced throughout the in, the entirety of it. It was like sitting in an evening with a bad comedian. It was 15 minutes of... I found that very little interest in there at all. Do you think you would have liked it in concert? Do you think that might have changed? Unlikely, I have to say. The composer kind of prides himself, he says, on kind of thumbing his nose at kind of convention. But for me, the music didn't seem to go in any direction whatsoever. Lots of effects, but no coherent whole at all, I'm afraid. 
So the sun left Rasmussen. I have to say, I'd like to hear this one live. I thought it was a captivating um, concerto, a suite of movements for recorder and orchestra. Um, inspired by birdsong, inspired by the natural surroundings of his home, um, of his homeland, the, the Faroe Islands, um, sort of stuck out in in the North Sea, somewhere between Scotland and Iceland. Um, a very beautiful landscape, and I think a very beautiful concerto. Very inventive. The orchestration is really rather inventive. Rebecca, what did you think of this one? Yes, I, I like this piece a lot, actually. It's very evocative, and it did really create this sense of landscape, I felt. I mean, I've never been to the Faroe Islands, but this, for me, portrayed something of the space and the, the sounds and the, uh, the, the birds, as we were saying, that you might might hear there. Um, again, it's, it has, it's called Territorial Songs, and it's based on this idea that when a bird sings, the song kind of claims its territory, and he kind of transposes that into the, the orchestra, so when the different instruments play, they're sort of claiming their territory. Last year, I wrote a piece about Richard Blackford's Great Animal Orchestra, which is based on the book of the same name by Bernie Krause, in which they discuss how birds pitch their songs at various levels to create this soundscape. So the fact they're all at different pitches is not by accident, so they can all be heard and so they're not competing the whole time. And that's what's going on here as well, because it's actually based on an Italian no novel called Mr. Palamo by Italo Calvino, where he describes how, the author describes how he can hear these birds in the trees, and to him they're invisible, he can't see them, but he can hear them all at these various pitches. And this is what he's replicating at the beginning of this work, and he does it very, very well. You can hear, almost imagine this sort of soundscape of birds around him. That was an extract from Sunleif Rasmussen's Territorial Songs. Um, wonderful use of the recorder, uh, I think, to imitate birdsong. Um, Rebecca, I thought, uh, it was quite messy in its inspiration. Yes. Um, but, but a little bit more romantic. Yes, and actually here we get uh, uses, use of different recorders as well, tenor recorder, alto and soprano as well. Um, as in in, in the um, Goodmanson Holmgrain piece, and that obviously gives you know opens up the range of what the recorder can do. And at one point, we even have the recorder. She's actually um, singing as she plays the recorder at the same time. Later, later on in the piece, it's quite quite interesting. Yeah, to hear. he uses a lot of different techniques, doesn't he? It's a very varied piece within these within the short five movements. But you never feel he's doing it just for the effect, just because he can. You always actually feel that the use of these different recorders and different techniques is actually relevant to the music at the time. It's not just a showpiece for Michaela Petri. So let's hear another extract from this fascinating piece. Um, it's the Mysterioso from um, Rasmussen's Territorial Songs. Thank you. 
So that was The Mysterioso from Territorial Songs by Sunlef Rasmussen. Wonderful playing from the Carla Petri and beautiful orchestral playing. I thought the Aldberg Symphony Orchestra was absolutely terrific. I very, very could, sharp. You could really fault their playing. I thought everything was really And the, reco- well the recorded done. sound is excellent as well. Yeah. Uh, I thought the, the, the ensemble um, with Makala was absolutely terrific. I think we should give this some scores now, this uh, CD. So, um, Jeremy, out of ten. Right, as we say, it's a funny old disc of three very dissimilar works. <clears throat> We've got one which you might fancy chillaxing to occasionally, and then <laughs> the Rasmussen, which I find a fascinating piece, and the Goodmanson Holmgrain, which I could gladly live without, which all taken together gives me a total score, I reckon, of seven balances out nicely. Seven, Rebecca. I'd like to give this seven and a half, probably just to be difficult with the maths. <laughs> but because I felt it was, I, I felt that for exactly the same reasons as Jeremy, really, apart from I did like the, the Chacon Sanson. But uh, this was, I thought, it was very well played, and perhaps it was just the programme that means I wouldn't give it a slightly higher score. Um, so, yeah, seven and a half. I'm going to give this seven myself. Um, I thought it was a very attractive disc, uh, but I'm not entirely sure I would race back to listen to these concertos again. I did, however, enjoy the Rasmussen very much indeed. I thought it was imaginative, colourful, inventive. I thought it was played beautifully, and it's a work that I would very much like to see in the concert hall. And actually, it's a work I'd look forward to seeing in the concert hall. So that gives us an average of 7.16 uh, recurring, I do believe, for this uh, for this disc. So that brings us to the end of this month's first listen. Do join us next month when we'll be discussing a brand new recording. Goodbye. 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 Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.